Well, welcome to our midweek conference. Our next speaker, Brother Jake Reed. Brother Jake Reed and his family are in this church by divine appointment. I'll let him explain that to you if he chooses to. But there's not a question in my mind that where he is, who he is, and where he is going is because of the Holy Ghost that's in his life. And um, I can't say enough good things about Brother Jake. I want to tell you something. There's a, lot of young, there's a lot of men out there right now saying, Pastor, why not me? Why not me? That's a good question. I'd love for you to be up here. I'm no respecter of persons. But this young man that already preached, I think he already said it. What are you willing to give so that God can do that? Because I, there's, there's room on this platform for every young man in this church. I don't know too many churches that even do this, what we're doing. In fact, I don't know any, but I don't care about that. We're doing it, and that's all that matters. Brother Jake Reed, we love you. Love your precious family. Um, you guys just keep having children, okay, because they're so cute. God has blessed you with a phenomenal wife and parents and in-laws and the hand of God is on this man's life. Brother Jake, let's put our hands under the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give that to God. God, I love you. God, I praise you. God, I lift you up. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm honored to be standing behind this sacred desk. Um, I give honor to my spiritual parents, Brother Mayo and Sister Mayo. Thank you so much. I love you both. And my own parents, my family, and most importantly, my wife, my wonderful boys, Oliver and Asa, love you. They're so thankful for you. Uh, you get to see, unfortunately, all the flaws and everything else about me, but you stick with me. And so I would not be here without my family, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, we don't have a lot of time, so we're just going to jump right into this. I honestly feel like God has given me a word for this church. I don't know if I've ever felt this way before. So buckle up, because we're, we're fitting to roll. Hebrews chapter 11, very familiar portion of scripture, one of my favorite of all time. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, 
and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. I want to talk for a few minutes about your testimony, my testimony, pleasing God. My testimony, pleasing God. Let's put our Bibles down. God, I love you. I thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity, God. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me, God, as an oracle, God. Use me for your glory, God, that I would stay out of the way, God, and that you would move in this house tonight, God. Lord, I thank you so much, God, for what you've already done and what you're going to do in this house tonight. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So in looking at this portion of scripture, Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12 uh, basically go together. It's one of my all-time favorite portions of scripture. We know it is the hall of faith. And Enoch, uh, who does not have a lot known about him, uh, written in this portion of scripture, we know that just like Brother Georgia talked about Elijah, Enoch is the only person in the Bible who was ever translated and did not see death. Him and Elijah both were translated and taken up by God. And so I looked at this, and this has always been when I read this, that he pleased God. What, is, what does this mean, and how can I live my life this way? How can I please God? And so Enoch pleases God because of his faith. And we read it in chapter 11, verse 6. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, things not seen as yet, moved with fear, preparing an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. And he goes on, he talks about Abraham, and he talks about Samson, and he talks about David, and he talks about Rahab, and he talks about all these people in there. And I remember looking at that, and I thought to myself, there's a whole lot of people in there that we'd look at in the Bible stories that we come across, and they're heroes of faith. And we look at them like they're great people. But I look at those, and when you read those scriptures, there's a lot of failures in there. There's a whole lot of things in that passage of scripture. When you go through those people's lives and you read your Bible, if you read the first three books of your Bible, there's more drama, illicit things, and crazy stuff than you'd ever find in Hollywood in a million years. It's insane. It'll make you blush. And as I read that, I thought to myself, man, there's a whole lot of people that I remember reading Bible stories when I was in Sunday school. And when I started reading them for myself, the story didn't really work out that way. And I thought to myself, man, I think about Abraham and I think about Sarah. And I think about how Abraham and Sarah, we read that God counts it as righteousness and they hold on to the promises of God and they eventually have children and everything's happily ever after. But when you really look at it and you understand Abraham and what he's saying, God talks to Abraham after his big failure with Hagar. He says, oh, this isn't the promise. I've got a promise for you, but this isn't it. 
says, you're going to have a promise. You're going to go back through this. And he says, oh, that Ishmael would live before thee. Oh, that Ishmael would live before thee. And you got to understand, he's not saying, man, I just, I just, this is easy. I just want this to work. Just make this work. It's easy for me. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I don't want to go back through the pain of this. I don't want to go back through the pain of having to live back through this. You have kids. If you have children, it's not exactly the easiest thing in the world, much less if you're in your 70s and 80s trying to have kids, right? They're not spring chickens, okay? Right? And so with that comes what? It comes pain. comes years of heartache. comes years of going, man, we've been there before, Pastor, and it didn't happen. I've been there before. We tried this already. God, just let Ishmael live before you. Come on. God said, no. No, we're not going there. Your promise is your promise. And you've got to obey that. You've got to live by it. You've got to hold on to that faith and the promise that God's given you. And I remember thinking about this. And as I was preparing, or not even preparing, before this even took place, before you even asked me to, to preach, all this came to fruition and started hitting me like a ton of bricks. We'll just get real. About a week before you asked me to preach, the devil started working overtime on me and just started pummeling the snot out of me. And I remember coming to men's prayer that Saturday morning and just feeling absolutely beat down and broken. I can't tell you how frustrated I was as I walked in here, how useless I felt. And I remember just hitting me over and over, straight in the forehead, just, you're useless. You're useless. The promise is over. Promise is over. Yeah, you're doing stuff for your church. You're going through the motions. But this is done with. You, you've, you've spent your time. Your promise is given up. And I remember thinking, man, like, this is rough. I remember going home and my wife had to go somewhere. I don't know what she was doing. She said, I want to stay home. I decided to stay home. And I sat there and I wept in my living room. As over and over and over, nothing. You're nothing. You're nothing. The promises of God, they're nothing in your life. And I remember you text me. You said, how you doing? <laughs> thought, really? This is what we're going to do right now. I'm like, how do I not lie to my pastor, but lie to my pastor? <laughs> right? That's the truth. I'm sitting there in my tears, literally, in my frustration and pain. And I got to figure out, how am I going to tell you I'm doing fine? I said, well, my family's great and I'm blessed. Which is true, right? I have wonderful children and a wife that's an angel. And so I remember going through that and just thinking, man, like, what is going on? Like, why am I, why am I going through this? And I remember the Holy Ghost talking to me later on as time went by. I didn't want to deal with this. Why? Because I know the pain that comes with this. I've been here before. I've done this before. I think I preached the first one of these ever. Long time ago. A lot of room between then and now. A lot of stuff in between that. And so I remember thinking, man, there's a whole lot of stuff that I've had to deal with in there. And a whole lot of heartache. And it wasn't that I was afraid of preaching. This doesn't bug me. I didn't want to revisit those pains. And I didn't want to revisit that past of, you've been here before and it didn't work. 
And you, you did this before, and look how it turned out, right? And so I remember going through this, and, and God just speaking to me, this is not, the, it's not you. The stuff you're going through, it's not, it's not for you, right? I'm getting worked over. It's because it's there's a whole church of people here, and there's a whole bunch of people that can be blessed because of this. And so I remember thinking back, I'd, I'm a student of preaching, and one of the the greatest things that I ever listened to, and Brother Booker speaks all the time, and he's got a, a deal that he talks about, and he, he talks specifically about when he gets to heaven, there's a whole list of things he wants to see. And he's got on the top of that list, he's got creation and everything that comes with it. And then he's got seeing Abraham and how God worked in his life and everything that took place and Moses and the Red Sea parting and Joseph, when his brothers walk in and they see the look on his face, he's got all this stuff. But the thing that he has that blew me away more than anything, he says, I want to be there the first time Paul preached. And I want to be sitting in that audience when Paul took the stand. He's like, because you could have heard a pin drop in that room. Old Barnabas says, we got a special speaker tonight. Bow your heads and pray. And they all pray. and All right, well, we're going to bring him up. You might know him. Uh, he's been around here before. <laughs> uh, might know him by a different name. Same Saul. We're going to have Brother Paul speak tonight for the first time. He said, man, the quiet hush that would come over that room. Why? I remember this exact, this exact thing right here is what God told me, the reason I'm talking tonight. He said, because there's a lot of times you look back at that and you look back at everything that's done and no doubt Paul preaches and everybody's excited and man, Paul got saved and man, isn't, isn't it great that God worked on Paul? Yeah, it's great. It's real great. But it would have been real nice if God would have worked on Paul before he killed my baby. And it would have been real nice if God worked on Paul before he came after my kids and he took my wife and he locked up my family. And God spoke to me specifically and he said, it's exactly what you're dealing with with a whole group of people in Cornerstone. We look here and we come, and I can't tell you, I, I don't know the transition from that building to this building. But I remember God saying, there's a lot of people in there that you feel like you lost a lot of stuff. There was a part of you that got left, and you came into this building. I know, I, I feel it. I felt it myself. And you come in here, and it's, it's a hollowness. It's an emptiness. Your faith is gone. And I remember God just speaking to me. They're, they're excited. We're excited when, bless God, we're, we're having things happen. And there's a, there's a new building thing going on. And everybody's shouting and we're all excited. And, but that still small voice in the back of your head saying, yeah, but nothing's happening in your life. Your kids are still lost. Your situation hasn't changed. And I remember thinking, man, God. What do we got to do? And I remember the only thing that, that worked, when you say that worked, but the only thing that I could think of is 
the scripture. You, you've got to have faith. Faith isn't just believing that God's going to work. We can believe that all day. You can give up and you can think that, yeah, I, whatever, God's going to do whatever no matter what I do. That's not faith. God's going to work. It doesn't matter what I do. God's still going to move. He's going to do whatever he wants. I'll lose my job or I'll get another one or who, who knows. God will figure it out. I don't, I don't know. That's not faith. Faith is, no, God gave me a promise. And I don't know why. And I don't know how, but I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to hold on to what God's given me. Come on. I don't want to let go of the things God's put into my life. I don't want to let go of the things God's instilled into me. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, there's things that I don't want to deal with. There's situations I don't want to go through, but God knows. God knows. And you got to hold on to that. You got to hold on to that with everything you've got. <clears throat> you know, it's so interesting that and very true that it's the case that your dreams always have to die first. Always. Before they come to fruition. I, I could tell you, I'm not going to go into detail, but I, I, and I know it's the same. I've, I've dealt with people and it helped people and it's, it's reality. The last couple of years, I can't tell you the frustration and the pain and there was times I didn't feel like I was going to make it in another day. There was times I'd come to this sanctuary and feel like I could barely, all I want to do is get home. I just want to get out of here. I just, I don't know. The devil's just beating the snot out of me. I just, I just can't deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want those promises anymore. I don't want to look back. I don't want to have to pull back and, and revisit the pains that I went through before. I don't want to have to go back in my life and start digging up the past and say, okay, okay, God, I guess, you know. No, I didn't want to have to do that. But God knows what we need. And in closing here, I'm going to go to Psalm 77. Spoke perfectly. It's a song of lament. It says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran into the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and I was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Thou, withhold, thou holdest mine eyes waking. I couldn't sleep. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean, gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? There's a lot of days I could read that and feel exactly like that. A lot of days I could read that and say, that's, that's where I'm living. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. 
I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God who doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in heaven. Understand the picture that this is painting. Brother Phillips was here. I was telling Brother Jordan I was dreading if he kept going because I felt like he was going to preach the last half of this message. He kept holding on to faith. I thought, God, no. (laughs) What they're talking about is he's recapping them crossing the Red Sea and everything that went into that. I thought, man, we, we read that like it's a veggie tale or something. And you look in the Bible, man, they just part the Red Seas, the sun's shining, people are singing, the birds are chirping. No. No. An entire, the greatest army in the world right behind them. And God wasn't making things easy for Israel either. Storms brewing, the sky's pitch black, there's clouds everywhere. You got to walk through two you know, how many hundreds of feet of water next to you, scared to death. You don't really believe in God anyway. You want to go back to Egypt. So you're not sure if he's going to collapse it on you when you go through it. You know you're probably not living right. So you're thinking you're going to go out there and all of a sudden, wha-bam, you know. And so that's, that's the reality of what they're going through. It's not a, a great city. Yeah, the ground's dry. God made the ground dry. Okay, but if you want to walk through 200-something feet of water next to you, you'd be my guest. But I can guarantee you I'd be asking some questions of Moses real fast, you know. Like, how far, how far are we going? Like, not to mention the fact, you know, they got, whatever, 600,000 people waiting in line. I guarantee you that wasn't moving fast, right? So you're stuck there just waiting for your life to end. And so this is what the psalmist is painting the picture of, right? Life is... It's not going great, but he remembers the things of God, and he remembers what God did for him in the wilderness, and it wasn't a pretty picture, and it wasn't a wonderful, beautiful day. It was stormy, and it was cloudy, and things were loud, and it was chaotic, and there was fear in the air, and things were going on all around them, and they didn't know what to do, and all they could do is trust and hold on to the promises of God. It says, the voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. This is the best part of this entire psalm. Thy way was in the sea, and thy path in the great waters. And one in the sunshine, and it wasn't on perfect day. Your path that I have to hold on to, it's in the deep. It's in the great waters. It's out there where the unknown's at. And I don't know if I'm going to make it tomorrow. And one of the most beautiful portions of scripture that I didn't even come across until recently. And thy footsteps are not known. I didn't even know how you did it. I didn't even know how I made it. I can't tell you in the last two years why I'm even standing here. But God's so good. And I don't know who this is for. But I'm telling you, you got to hold on. 
You gotta hold on to what God's given you. You gotta hold on to those promises. You gotta hold on to what God's given you in the Holy Ghost. You can't let that go. You can't let that down. That's everything you've got. Come on, let's worship God.